Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. Well, good morning. Good morning. Great to see you. Oh, turn to somebody. If you happen to be with somebody on a couch, just look at them and say, hey, great to see you this morning. You look pretty good. And I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> you probably got some messy hair, but you got your cup of coffee. And hopefully you are uh, able to join with someone this morning. And uh, we're glad you're with us as well. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd love for you to take them and turn to 1 Kings. It's right before 2 Kings in the Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter 17, we're going to be hunkering in there this morning as we take a look at God's promises and hard places. We'll get to that in just a few moments. If you want notes, you're welcome to download those now. Go to Uversion. You can have all those come up on your phone or your iPad or whatever else you're watching on this morning. We'd be glad to have you do that as well. Uh, I think you may have heard it throughout the morning, but I want to just let you you know, next week, I'm excited, uh, at the end of our service together, I'm going to be leading us, leading you in a time of communion. It's one of those beautiful uh, pictures that whenever we take communion, we're actually connecting with the body of Christ around the world as we take place, the body, the blood of Christ. Um, and so I'm going to be leading us toward the end of the service next week. If you have a little bit of juice around the house, cranberry juice, doesn't matter, just anything with juice, and, and uh, Coca-Cola will even work in an occasion like that. Uh, if you have uh, an old cookie or a dry piece of bread, you can have a fresh piece of bread. If you got something around there, keep a cracker or whatever handy. Be ready next week. We'd love to have you join us. We've been learning how to do ministry during this time. Uh, we had, a, uh, we had a, a Zoom connection Wednesday night for prayer as people gathered in prayer. And, and uh, by the way, if you aren't getting communications that invite you to those types of things, um, that means we probably don't have your correct information. Go to our website, uh, contact us. You can put the information there, or you can actually go right to CCB and you can put your information in. We'll send you out alerts as to what's happening. I've been doing a midweek message every week. We send out a communication that lets you know that it's on, uh, it's available for you. Um, if you're not connected to our Facebook page here at Colonial Woods, another great way for you just to find out what's happening every day. Uh, devotionals are going out from our staff. I do a midweek message, the weekend services. So uh, take advantage of that. But we need to know who you are and how to communicate with you in order to be able to make those available to you. Um, but we've been learning how to do ministry. Our, our youth group again this last week had 77 people join in on a, on a Zoom chat room as they uh, did youth ministry and our prayer ministry did that. Uh, we're, uh, I connected with a couple of families this week through Zoom. Um, but, but one of the things we've learned is some things not to say on live streaming. Now, we've been doing live stream for some time, but I learned last week, because we we're paying a little bit more attention to it right now, uh, that there are things I should not say because you feel very comfortable that if you don't like what you hear, just to turn it off. And uh, last week, uh, we were talking about this as a staff, and one of my staff members said, hey, um, just in the future, you might not want to say that you have eight points that you want to share. Because within 10 seconds of sharing last week, the eight 
eight uh, choices that you can make in stressful times, 30 people kicked off. And so uh, I promise you today, I only have one point. There's about five sub points, but there's only one point that I'm going to share with you today. And uh, hopefully that doesn't overwhelm you as we take a look at God's Word. We have a theme verse we've been working out of, and uh, you may not know this, but this series has changed a lot from its original intent. Um, where I thought it was going, where we thought we were going to focus every week, was not exactly where we've ended up focusing. However, I have been so blessed by the truth of, of how God has used this in my own life as we've been focusing on being people who are chosen. And uh, this week, again, got some new information, which uh, has really called for a home, st uh, stay in place, stay safe order. Uh, by the way, what we're doing is absolutely a, a fine with uh, the, 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 the edict that went out. We're actually well within that. Uh, so in case you were wondering that, we're actually doing exactly what the governor has asked us to do, which is make it possible for you to stay home. But um, I love what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. It says, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him, Jesus Christ, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And this week when I was looking at this, I think uh, it just kind of struck me that sometimes we feel like that if we're chosen, it means that we have a whole different set of rules for us. Uh, in other words, we're never going to go through isolation. We're never going to go through challenges. Where If God chose me, that means that I'm in favored status, right? And, and that just means that I'm never going to go through low times in my life. And I, I'm, I'm going to always be going through great times in my life. I'll never go through need. I'll never go through a time where I, I've got to pray for a miracle. I've never have to... And can I just share with you, that is not what that means. In fact, you'll notice that baby and God's chosen, many times we walk through some tougher challenges by virtue of the fact that we are called by God to be holy and blameless through his strength, through his provision, by his power in some very hard times. It's interesting, we are not in an isolation. We, we are not somehow immune to the things that hit our world. Sometimes when we go through challenge, we go through pain, we might go through suffering, we might go through illness. I think we think that somehow we've done something wrong. That's not necessarily the case. Sometimes we simply go through challenge because the world is going through challenge. And so if you've wondered that question over these recent days, hey, wait a minute, why, why am I going through this? I'm one of God's chosen. Well, let me tell you, that is not unusual in God's word. Today I want to focus on one of God's chosen in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 17. This jumped out to me as I was just pondering, thinking about what to share with you today. This, this story jumped out to me because it's a chosen individual, chosen by God, an instrument of God, who goes through some really hard times by virtue of the fact that he really is God's chosen. It's a prophet Elijah. Now Elijah is a man who comes on the scene in 1 Kings chapter 17 and Pretty much his entire ministry is summed up in about five chapters uh, of Scripture. Now, it's men he's mentioned in other passages, but uh, chapters 17 through 19, and then if you get into 1 Kings chapter, or 2 Kings chapter 1 and 2, you see a little bit of him there as well as it kind of talks a little bit more about his ministry. 
What you're going to see from Elijah, though, is that the very first thing he's called to do is to bring bad news to a nation, specifically to a king, King Ahab. That's his first. He didn't even get eased into the public scene. His first step was a hard step. And immediately, he goes through trial and difficulty. It is not a cushy job being a voice for the Lord. And here's what it says in 1 Kings chapter 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, who happened to be the king of Israel, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith Ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did as the Lord told him. He went to the Kerith Ravine east of the Jordan, and he stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, and bring me please a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Isn't it interesting how many times God has to say that to us? Um, Don't be afraid. I'm asking you to walk in obedience. I'm asking you to walk in trust. Don't be afraid. Why? Because sometimes it's scary walking in obedience and trust. Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you do have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, which I will say it this way, what the Lord, the God of Israel, promises, because if God says it, he's promising it, The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. Now, it's interesting because there's no doubt that Elijah is God's chosen. And you notice in this passage there are three really unusual places for a chosen person of God to find himself in. The first one is the Kerith Ravine. The Kerith Ravine, a few years ago, I was actually studying this passage, and it struck me that in all the years that I've read this story, I never never actually looked up to see what the word Kerith Ravine means. Words and names in Scripture actually have meaning. And so I looked it up, and the word Kerith means a place of cutting off or whittling. Now, now if you're, uh, maybe not everybody was like me, but uh, I grew up on a farm 
And uh, every boy I knew that grew up on a farm had a knife. I don't know if any of you have pocket knives or anything like that, but I, I always had a pocket knife. Um, I couldn't, I, I still have a thing for knives. I, I can't hardly go buy a counter and see a knife for sale and don't buy a knife. I've only got about 200 of them, but I just, I don't know, I just find myself always wanting to buy a little knife. And so I give them as gifts all the time. And I remember as a kid, I was fascinated because of some of the stuff that was on TV. Anytime you'd see these old shows, and especially if they were set in the country or in the West, they would be whittling. They'd take a knife and they would just kind of whittle a little bit. And I remember making some things and trying to, trying to carve with this knife. You'd sit there just kind of shaving off a little bit. I remember... Um, during the uh, season, I'd take corn cobs, and I'd make corn cob pipes. I don't know why. I just uh, took a little stick, put it in there, just thought it was kind of cool. I'd see the people on TV doing that and such. They didn't work, but that's okay. And, and uh, so it was just whittling. And the idea of whittling is shaving a little bit off at a time so that you can form something into what you want it to be. Isn't it interesting that God took Elijah to a place where he could shave off a little bit at a time? so that he could form him into what he wanted him to be. The, the phrase also means cutting off, which means isolation. And so God took Elijah, somebody who's chosen, to a place of molding, shaping, and isolation. But then, then he says, but I'm going to, because the brook uh, dried up, I want you to go to Zarephath of Sidon. Now, what's unusual about Zarephath of Sidon is that it was the place of the enemy's stronghold. If you go back into chapter 16, which we won't do there this morning, but I'll let you do that on your own, you'll notice that it wouldn't have been a problem going to Sidon. That's not that big of a deal. The problem is, is that Elijah had a couple of people who absolutely hated him. King Ahab hated Elijah because Elijah spoke truth to him from the Lord of which the Lord was disciplining uh, Ahab and by virtue of disciplining Ahab he was disciplining the entire nation of Israel but there was someone who despised Elijah even worse than Ahab and it was Ahab's wife Jezebel. Jezebel absolutely despised and had kind of a mission in her life to take uh, Elijah out. Now here's the problem Jezebel was from Sidon, and her dad was the king of Sidon. His name is Ethbaal, which means I am focused toward the idol Baal. And so in his very name, the king of Sidon worshipped another god other than the one that Elijah worshipped. And Elijah was being called to go to the home territory of Jezebel. It's kind of like going to your ex-spouse's family reunion or Christmas, right? Nobody there likes him because he's not part of the family. And then God takes him even to a more unusual place, he takes him to a widow's house to be cared for, so God took him to the most desperate of needy people in order to become dependent upon her generosity. I don't know if any of you have had to depend on anyone else before. Maybe, maybe you've gone through a stretch where you've needed your parents' help. Or maybe you've been blessed by someone who has means. And, and uh, Tammy and I have been uh, in, in points in our life where, where we have been in need and we have been cared for by some of the most unexpected ways but some generous people who had means. That's very humbling. It's even more humbling, however, when you go to someone who has less than you. And they're the ones who are expected to care for you. 
In my church uh, in Elkhart, we had a, a gal by the name of Anna Weininger. I assume by this time that she has gone to be with the Lord. I haven't heard, but she was in her upper 80s when I knew her, and that was 20 years ago. And I was always uh, ministered to by Anna and her husband, Lorenzo. What a great name. Because I would watch this former pastor's wife, her first husband was a pastor and had passed away. They had very little. They, they lived off of Social Security. They, they were some of the most generous, kindest, giving people I've ever met. And she would go uh, with her husband, and they would do Meals on Wheels and take food to other people. And I know what she made monthly. I know what they had to live on. It was not very much. They were faithful givers to the church. And I was always so humbled that someone like that would be helping to care for me and care for others because they had so little. Isn't it interesting? God may choose to take you to a lonely, isolated, even a desperate place where you're dependent on others and you may not even be comfortable there. And when we're there, by the way, a few of us, can you identify with this? Can you identify with that just a little bit? That's why it struck me. How similar that sounds to where so many are today. Isolated, lonely, desperate, uncomfortable. And God shares some promises to Elijah in that place that impacts Elijah more than it ever would have had he never been in that place. First promise is this. First promise for all of us this morning is God promises, I'm not limited to what you do or do not have. I can provide for you for what you do have. I can provide for you in ways you cannot. In fact, I can provide for you in some of the most unexpected, unanticipated ways. Because that's what I do. You'll notice in these passages, and I don't want to spend too much time on it, but you'll notice that God provides through, in a wilderness area, He provides through a brook in a dry and barren land. He provides by a brook, but he provides by some birds. And, it, and he's very specific about the birds that he chooses. He says, I have ordered the ravens to feed you bread and meat in the morning and in the evening. And here's, what, here's what's crazy about it. And it struck me this morning when I was looking at it. It would be one thing if the Lord said, I've ordered the doves, right? Because we look at the doves and we think, oh, doves are gentle and they're loving and they're wonderful little birds. And we can see how the Lord, in fact, that's a picture of the Holy Spirit and that makes perfect sense. No, no. God chooses a raven. I mean, a close cousin of a crow, okay? They are obnoxious birds. And here's what's interesting about a raven. Ravens don't even care for their own young they are known to, to not provide for their own young. Now God is saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a bird whose very nature is not to even provide for its own children. And I'm going to ask them, I'm going to have those birds provide for you. And then, then he goes even further because it's like, um, he shows up and he says, okay, by the way, they're going to bring you bread 
and they're going to bring you meat. Well, where do you think the meat was coming from? It wasn't like they were bringing little critters to them. They were, it was kind of like, hey, here's bread, and now I'm going to stick around for dinner, and oh, by the way, I'm dinner, right? Uh, that is, uh, that's crazy. I was thinking this morning, my brain works a little bit weird, how the two ravens might be, you know, kind of thinking and talking to each other as they're coming there, and they're saying, hey, what are you doing? Well, I don't know, the Lord just, you know, impressed upon me. I need to take bread to this guy, Elijah. And me too. And they go there, and they get there, and they go, man, I don't know where the meat's coming from. I think you're it, Ernie. Uh, you're, you're it. <laughs> you're dessert. Uh, you're, the, you're the main course. And so as he looks, isn't it interesting? You would never expect someone just to give themselves up like that, and yet that's exactly what God provides through. And then he provides, now get this, again, maybe it's just my brain, he, he instructs someone to go absolutely contrary to her nature, to take from her child to give to him. Ravens wouldn't even provide for their own young, and God instructed them, right? Now, God is instructing a widow to take from her child to provide for him. Totally contrary to how a mom would think. And yet God had already gone before. And it just struck me how God so often, yes, he shows up in ways that I anticipate at times but i got to tell you how many times God shows up in ways you never imagined he would show up, in ways that you would never expect. Some of you have testimonies that are far better than the ones that I have on this. But think about the people who have spoken into your life. People you never would have expected. I, I went through a particularly hard time a few years ago. And God used a person, actually used two people, one that I had not talked to in years to minister into my life, one who I don't think is even a believer that just spoke words of encouragement into my life. Totally shocked me. But that's what God does. God says, I'm not limited by what you do or don't have, but I will provide. Number two, the second thing that I notice in this passage is that God says, I want, I want to promise you, I'm not limited by a place where you're comfortable or liked. Just because you're not liked, just because you're not comfortable, does not mean that I'm not doing a deeper work in you. I'm not going to go over them all again, but just remind yourself. What did we talk about? The Kareth Ravine, it's a place of whittling. Sidon. Zarephath of Sidon, it's a place where Elijah was despised. A widow caring for Elijah, it's a place where he was being provided for by someone who was more desperate than him, and it struck me. Why is God doing all this? Well, we know that the reason that God brings drought on the land of Israel is because Israel has turned away from the Lord. Best we can tell, three, three and a half years where no rain. So for three and a half years, God is providing as things get worse and worse and worse. And partly the reason God is disciplining the nation of Israel is because of Ahab. Ahab is a wicked king. So, so God is disciplining and trying to help 
bring a nation to him. God is trying to bring leaders to him, Ahab and Jezebel. And by the way, neither one of them ever did turn back toward him. But could it be that even while God was trying to speak to a nation and to some key leaders, that God was actually doing something in Elijah? See, I think sometimes we think God is so one-dimensional, there can only be one thing that happens through what he is teaching. That it can only be for a nation or a world or specific leaders. And it would be just like God to while all this is going on, to be working and forming Elijah into a leader that is preparing and doing a work in him that he otherwise could not have done. Most of us don't like places of isolation. Most of us don't like places of wilderness. Most of us don't like the desert region. Most of us don't like God whittling on us. Most of us don't like being dependent on anyone, much less a widow. Most of us don't like being with people who hate us, right? But I will say this, God will do some things in your character and informing you in the desert, dry, uncomfortable places that he, he just could not do any other place. I don't know what it is the Lord is saying to the world today. I don't know what the Lord is speaking or teaching the nation. I have some ideas, but I won't presume to tell you that I have a prophetic word I can lean on Scripture. I know the types of things God teaches, but I don't have a specific word for the moment as to what God is teaching us as a nation. But I know this. It's incredible that over the last number of months that we as a nation, as a world, have learned an awful lot about what we don't know. And we have watched through a time of uncertainty how we've been forced to work together, how we've been forced to realize that we are not God and that he is. I love that our president, uh, was it two, three weeks ago, called for a day of prayer. And that churches around the nation, believers around the nation, began to call out to the only one who can really change things. Last week, at noon on Sunday, millions of believers around the world joined their hearts together in prayer to cry out to God for God to do a miracle in this season. When's the last time that happened? When's the last time you interceded on behalf of a nation? When's the last time you interceded? This last week, we, we had some who were in illness, and we, we had Zoom meetings and Facebook meetings. We had people all around the country beginning to pray for specific people by name. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to go too far on this. Can I just say, what is it that God may be whittling in you? 
And what is it that God might be teaching you? I will tell you, my mind, uh, this morning as I was talk, talking to the Lord and in prayer and such, I have finally, in the last several days, had to just be at home. And uh, I realized something. I don't do that well. I don't do well at just kind of sitting. I don't do well at just kind of pondering. I, 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 I'm, I'm an office guy. I work better by being in an office and being with people. And, and um, I found my mor- even this morning, my mind was distracted, kept getting off on all these things. And the Lord just said to me, Phil, if there's ever a time where you can just be quiet and listen to my voice, it, it really ought to be right now. Seriously. You've got a government edict that says stay home. Okay, I love these little things that go around. Everybody's sharing these funny thoughts. I got one earlier this week that said, men, for the first time in our lives, we've been told that we can save the world by staying home, sitting down, and watching TV. Let's not blow it. <laughs> Very few times we've been told just to be at home, be with the Lord. I want to encourage you to, uh, to ask God, what would you do in my life? And this might, be, this might not be your most uncomfortable place. This might not be the hardest thing you walk through right now. But Lord, what do you want to do in me in this dry, isolated, kind of lonely season? Number three, number three, got to finish it up. I'm going to promise you, can I just make a side note here? By the way, that's not that unusual because if you go to the New Testament, where did God lead Jesus right after he's baptized? Into the wilderness. 40 days, 40 nights. Why? Because God does some things in the wilderness that he simply can't teach in other places. So, Lord, teach me what it is you want to teach me. Number three, I promise that I will provide daily what you need for this day. I love this teaching. It is powerful to me. Look what it says, verse uh, 12. Elijah asks the, the widow to give him a little water and a little bit of bread. And it says, as surely as the Lord lives, I don't have any bread which I love because the Lord's not even, he's not even limited by what's in the widow's pantry, right? <laughs> he, can, he can do stuff that's not even in her pantry. And it says, as, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself that I, my son and I may eat it and die. Elijah said, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you do have, and then bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Again, this is a promise. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. I will provide until there's another provision. That's what God says. God says there will be another provision later, but I will provide for you everything you need for today, every day, until there's another provision. So she went away and she did what Elijah had told her, and there was food every day 
for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. And I love this because God not only says I can supply, but I resupply. I resupply whatever you need for the day. And we are so like this where we try to hoard and store up, right? Um, I've been fascinated a little bit by the whole toilet paper thing. Everybody's going after, again, one of those old funny things people send you. Um, Somebody sent me this this week, and it said uh, April the 2nd, 2050, an ordinary day, but a special day for John, who finally opened up the last roll of toilet paper that his parents had bought back in 2020. Uh, I just, I find that funny. My mind is a little different. You may have figured that out, and I, I smile at things in that whole thing. We like to hoard grace like we like to hoard other stuff. And one of the things that I've learned about God's provision and grace, God very rarely gives you 40 years of grace in advance. But God does give you daily grace every day for 40 years. Rarely will God store up seven years of provision for you, but he will give you daily provision for seven years. Rarely will God give you 90 days of instruction, but he does promise to every day give a word that will lead you through that day for 90 days. Are you catching that? And it is the nature, of, I think, of humanity to want to be people of faith and never have to live by faith. And I will tell you that's my nature too. As a church, I would much rather have provision come in and then just just care for that over a long period of time and just budget it and all that kind of stuff. But we've just simply been saying, Lord, you've promised to be the daily provider, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to be my strength for today. And when my strength's gone at the end of the day tomorrow, I'm gonna believe your strength is sufficient for tomorrow. In my relationship, where I don't know how I can possibly go on another year. But, Lord, I'm going to go through today by your grace, and then tomorrow morning I'm going to trust that you're going to show up and give me the grace and the love for tomorrow. And some of you right now are dealing with patience issues with your children, and the Lord's not going to give you two months of patience, but he will give you patience for the day, and then tomorrow he'll show up and give you patience. Are you getting the theme here? God says, I promise. I promise I'm not limited by what you do or don't have. I'm not limited I'm not limited uh, uh, by, by what you uh, have in store through another. I can provide for you in unusual ways, and I promise I will show up every day and give you what you need for that day. I promise. I've shared this story, I think, twice over the last number of years that I've been here, but um, it, it so, to me, spoke to um, where I think some of us are at. A number of years ago, in fact, it was 1996, Tammy and I um, had just started a new ministry. And um, it was a Sunday night service, and I had a, a pastor walk into my office. He was a retired pastor. They had always, he and his wife did not come to our church, but they were somewhere else in the area. Um, we'd always had kind of a special relationship with them. And he walked in and met me before the service, and he said, uh, my wife and I, 
would like to give Tammy and you something. And I said, okay, well, I'm really, that's amazing. And he handed me a set of car keys. And he said, well, we'd like to give our car to you. And uh, I was, first of all, flabbergasted because we, we already had a car. And um, this was a, a pastor, a retired pastor and his wife. And I, I pushed back and he said, no, we don't care what you do with it. It's an old car. It runs good. It's got a quarter of a million miles on it. But um, we feel very specifically that God wants us to give you that car. And so we humbly accepted it, not knowing that a month later, someone was going to hit Tammy and destroy our other car. And uh, so we actually had this car to provide for us um, uh, in our need. About two years later, Tammy and I took that car, about 250,000 miles on it. It It's a blue old Park Avenue. I don't know how many years old, but it was old. And it was our 10th anniversary, and we um, we, we had decided that for our anniversary, we were going to go down to Nashville for a few days. And um, we were about 50 miles or so away from home. And we were all excited. We didn't have a whole lot. We had, you know, two little children at this time. And um, we didn't really get away very much. We had kind of scrimped together just enough so that we could go. And we, we got a hotel for two nights, I believe. And then we got a show, two shows that we were going to go to. And uh, we were so looking forward to it. And so that morning we took off. We're actually going to try to get down there early. It was about a seven-hour drive. And we were about an hour away from home, and red light comes on the dashboard of that old car. And uh, I don't know about you, but anytime red light comes on, that's usually not good news. And immediately, we were on the highway, but immediately the car lost power. Um, literally coasted to where we could get off the highway, had enough of a hill that we could coast into a church parking lot, little Methodist church. We were in Mexico, Indiana. And I'm thinking to myself, great. Can't believe this. Man, we're getting away. We're finally getting some time alone. Um, Started feeling sorry for myself. And I walked into this little Methodist church right there on, um, on the highway. And uh, the pastor was there. And hey, by the way, coincidence, he had pastored in my hometown that I grew up with and actually knew people that I had gone to high school with and families I was familiar with. So we headed off there. And he said, hey, you're really in luck. I told him our car's dead. You know, we're on our anniversary and I'm starting to feel sorry for myself. And they said, you know, we have a guy in our church who has a really, he's a really good mechanic. And he said, I'll give him a call and he'll come down here. I'm sure he'd help you out. So the guy shows up, guy comes over, his name's Leroy. Shows up with a tow truck. He says, well, it's dead. He says, let me take it back to the, and I'm going into this whole thing. You know, I'm doggone it. I mean, you know, it's our anniversary and we were going to get away and we we're going to do all this stuff and feeling kind of sorry for myself. And I will tell you in the back of my mind, I'm saying, God, this really stinks. Because, I mean, come on. I wasn't complaining about the Lord, but I was complaining to the Lord. And so we go down there. He looks at it. He says, tell you what. He says, I think it's going to take us a couple of hours on this car. Why don't you take my car? And he said, "Uh, go into Peru, which is not too far from there. 
He says, take my car, go into Peru. There's, this, there's places for lunch. Go have lunch together. Enjoy your anniversary lunch. And then come back and I'll have fixed your car. So we go down and I thought, well, that's pretty nice. I mean, not a lot of guys give you their car. We go down, we go to this little, I don't know what it was, went to a little restaurant, had an anniversary dinner. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking to myself, this still stinks because if we don't get out of here really soon, we're going to miss the show tonight. we got reservations. And um, go back afterwards and, and Leroy comes out and he said, um, hey, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but he said the, the problem with your car is very serious. He said, your, your timing chain or whatever broke, I don't know. It was something that basically put the motor in crisis. And he said, now I got it to where it'll run. I think it'll get you back to Elkhart, but there is no way that you should take this to Nashville. And in my back of my mind, I'm going, great. This is terrible, Lord. Can't believe, you know, I'm thinking to myself, thanks, thanks. This is great. My anniversary, we had all these plans and and um, I said, um, so what we we're going to do is we we're going to go back and meet my mom and grab her car, and we we're still going to make it down there to uh, get to our hotel. And um, I said, hey, what do I owe you for getting our car and working on our car? He said, oh, no charge. He said, I just want to bless you. And I said, come on. I mean, you, you did all this work. You replaced this and... And I said, no. He goes, no, no. He says, you don't know who I am, do you? And I said, no, I'm sorry. I I don't recognize you. And he said, "Um," this is three years ago. We were in the RCA Dome at a Promise Keeper event. And the pastor asked those who were desperate and needed to be prayed over to stand up. And he said, I was one of the guys who stood up. And you were sitting next to me. And he says, you you got about four or five guys to stand up and to lay hands on me and prayed over me. And he says, when you guys prayed for me, it just made all the difference in helping me to just stand strong. And he said, as soon as I saw you and your wife, he said, I knew who you were. And I knew that you were the guy who had prayed over me at Promise Keeper three years ago. And he said, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm honored to be able to provide for you and your wife. I wish we could do more. We were driving to go meet my mom and I looked in the back seat and there was actually a gift bag. And it had a card and it had some nice little snacks and candles and things like that. And it simply said, wish... Wish you and your wife the best of anniversaries. And it was signed by all the guys who worked at that shop. And we get down to Nashville. We'd missed our our evening uh, show. And uh, we got there and kind of told them about the day that we had. And they said, hey, we want to bless you. And we're going to give you a suite. And we're going to do this. And it's kind of the bridal suite type thing. And we don't don't worry about it. We just want to bless you with that. And that whole day I was, uh, you ever notice how the Lord sometimes humbles you and then smacks you and then humbles you and smacks you? And and the whole day the Lord was speaking to me and saying, Phil, you don't think I know where you're at. 
and you don't think I know what you're going through and you don't think I know how to provide for you. No matter what you're going through, I see you. And no matter what you're facing, I'm with you. And no matter what, what, no matter what it is that is your biggest need today, I can provide for you. So, Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your kindness to us. And I thank you for how you teach us and provide for us and prepare us and promise us when we're in a place of whittling, in a place of isolation, in a place of hardship. Lord, I understand that those who are uh, watching right now, that we've gone through an awful lot of different things in our lives, but I'm thankful that in every way you meet every need. As we need it, your grace provides and shows up. And you know where we're at and you know what we're going through and you've already figured out how to make provision in some of the most unusual ways. As we close, I just simply want to pray over you the prayer of blessing that comes out of the book of Numbers. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face toward you and give you peace. God bless. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.